Hello and welcome back to the Killer Kind Podcast. Gosh, I've missed saying that. (laughs) I apologize for leaving you guys hanging back before the holidays, but I'm back and we'll be back on our regular schedule, I promise. (laughs) For my first episode back, I'm covering a case that has honestly bothered me for many, many years now. There's an infamous 911 call made by the victim in this case, and it's hard to listen to because you can tell he's scared and wants help, but it's also hard to listen to because it's hard to tell what he's saying from time to time throughout the call. And many people believe that if you figure out exactly what he's saying on the call, then you can solve the case. So let's see if you and I can solve the case today. So let's jump into the disappearance of Brandon Lawson. Brandon Mason Lawson was a 26-year-old oil-filled worker and a father of four, who mysteriously went missing on Friday, August 9th, 2013. He was 5 foot 9 inches tall and weighed around 230 pounds. He had brown hair, blue eyes, and he was last seen wearing a yellow shirt, camouflage shorts, and white Nike Air Max tennis shoes. On the night of August 8, 2013, Brandon and his longtime girlfriend, Ladessa Lofton, got into an argument at their home in San Angelo, Texas. Now, Brandon had battled with drug addiction in the past, but he had supposedly been clean for six months at the time of his disappearance. However, there are a couple of reports that said the reason for the argument the couple had that night was because Brandon didn't come home the night before, insinuating that he was out doing something he wasn't supposed to. Ladessa said that she felt Brandon was on drugs when he returned home on the 8th, and Brandon's brother Kyle stated in a later interview that he knew Brandon took methamphetamines shortly before his disappearance. Now, all of that said, I can't say for certain that his drug use had anything to do with his disappearance, but if he was high at the time he got in the car, that could have led to the situation we'll hear about in the 911 call. That I'll play for you shortly, but... Before we get into that, let's get into the timeline of the night. So at some point on the night of Thursday, August 8th, Brandon and Ladessa get into an argument. In an interview on the Missing Mara Murray podcast, Ladessa says the argument started because she believed Brandon was back on drugs and she told him to get out. At 11.30 p.m. or so, Brandon calls his father Bradley, basically saying he's coming to stay at his house for the night. However, it's almost midnight, and his parents live about three, three and a half hours away in Crawley, Texas. So his dad told him to stay put. Don't try to make a long drive this late at night. Just cool off. From what I understand, Brandon insisted he was going to leave and head that way anyways. Brandon Lawson left his home at around 11.55 p.m. in his silver Ford F-150 pickup truck. A few minutes later, Ladessa calls Brandon and asks him to either come back home or go to his brother Kyle's house instead, asking him again, don't try to make such a long drive to your parents' house. But he refuses to listen and hangs up. At this point, Ladessa realizes that Brandon took their only wall charger for their cell phones. So she ends up having to use the car charger she had, meaning her phone had to stay plugged up in her car. Shortly before Brandon left, his brother Kyle said that his mom called him to ask if he could go to Brandon and Ladessa's to help him calm down because somehow she knew they were in a heated argument. 
Shortly after Brandon left, Ledessa calls Kyle to explain what happened and to say she was worried about him leaving so late at night. Which at this point, Kyle is already headed over there. So Kyle said that Brandon calls him as he's headed over to his house. And this is kind of when it gets weird. So Brandon said that Ledessa had some Mexicans from the neighborhood chasing him out of town. He said that a state trooper had pulled one of them over, but there were still two chasing him. He said he hung up on him after that. I'm going to guess here that Kyle ended up turning around and heading back to his own house. Because at 12.34 a.m., Ledessa misses two phone calls from Brandon. And at 12.38 a.m., he calls his brother Kyle again to say that he had run out of gas along US-277, about four and a half miles south of Bront, Texas, not far from a rest stop. A truck driver would later call 911 reporting a truck parked crooked on the side of the road, posing a hazard. Kyle said in a later interview that when he talked to Brandon, he had trouble understanding him or hearing exactly what he was trying to say because of the bad cell service. However, he was able to determine that his brother had ran out of gas and said, quote, I'm 10 minutes up the road. Just hurry up and get here. Kyle ends up calling Ledessa, telling her Brandon ran out of gas and that he and his wife, Audrey, will need to come by and pick up a gas can. Kyle's paycheck had not cleared the bank yet, so his plan was to go get the gas can, go take it to Brandon, and either get money from Brandon and go get gas there, or the two of them could go together. So, Ledessa ends up sitting an empty gas can on her porch. Kyle and Audrey come by to pick it up and head towards where Brandon said he was. After putting the gas can outside, Ledessa said she plugged her phone up in her van, took a shower, and went to bed. So she no longer had her phone on her. So now let's get a picture of the route Brandon was taking and where his truck ends up when he runs out of gas. So if you Google map this route from San Angelo, Texas to Crawley, it's a three-hour and 40-minute drive. Now, that's not knowing Brandon's home address or the address to his parents' house. So it's a kind of rough estimate of how long it would have taken him. However, it's pretty easy to tell the main roads he would have taken. So we know he runs out of gas somewhere on US 277, again, four and a half miles from Bront. There was a little confusion um, I saw online as to why Brandon would have taken this route in the first place. But when you look up directions from San Angelo to Crawley, there's basically three ways you can get there. Two of the three routes are only a few minutes different in time because some were saying he should have taken US 67 North, but honestly, the route he took US 277 looks a little more straightforward to me. So to me, there's no reason to question why he went one route over the other. I'm sure that's just the route maybe he liked to take to his parents' house. Anyway, so back to where his truck was found. So if you're looking at a map, again, I'm a visual person. <laughs> Brandon's truck is located just before the Colorado River. There is also another little bit of a debate on exactly where his truck was left. But the debate isn't necessary. I, I get it, but it doesn't really matter. If you go to the missing Brandon Lawson Facebook page, I don't know the official name of it I'm, at the moment, I'm sorry, but they actually do like a video of the surrounding area of where Brandon's truck was found. Now, this is a more recent video, so it's not really showing you what it looked like back in 2013. 
but you kind of get an idea. So the reality is there is nothing in this area, and I mean nothing. There are a few houses here and there, kind of far off the road. There's one or two, maybe what looks like businesses um, along this route. But other than that, it's open, flat land most of the way. His dad was later quoted saying it was like a rocky, cactus-filled terrain, just to kind of give you an idea. There are some trees on some parts of the stretch of the road. There are um, some tall grass and things like that, but it's not like a heavily wooded area. And Brandon does mention in the 911 call that he's running through the woods or something like that. And yes, there are trees and you might consider it woods, but it's not really dense. So I feel like if you're standing out there in the middle of the day looking out at this field, you would see somebody standing out there more than likely. And needless to say, this was a quiet road. And Brandon's dad pointed out in a later interview that the road his son was on that night would have been very dark. It, he said it's he's driven down that road and there are no streetlights. This would have been a very, very dark and borderline empty road at this time of night. So getting back into the timeline, like I said, Brandon calls Kyle at 1248. A.M. to tell him he ran out of gas. At 12.48, Ledessa misses another call from Brandon. Now, this is where the case kind of turns completely upside down. At 12.54 a.m., Brandon Lawson calls 911. When you search this case, the first thing that's going to pop up is this 911 call. And like I said, I'm going to play it for you. I do want to try to dissect it a little bit, but when I heard this case back on the True Crime Garage podcast. If you've been listening to me long enough, you've known that I love True Crime Garage and you know that I love the guys over there and I listen to most of their episodes. So Nick and the Captain basically took two full episodes breaking down this 911 call because many people believe, again, like I said earlier in the intro, that if we can figure out exactly what Brandon is saying during this call, then we could likely solve the case. I'm not fully convinced I believe that. I do think it's a key piece of evidence. However, I think there's more to it than just the 911 call. The whole night really is strange, and I think the case only gets harder to figure out after the 911 call. However, like I said, I think it's a key piece of evidence, so I want to play it for you. Now, before I play it, I want to challenge you to stop, get a pen and paper, And I want you to write down what you think Brandon is saying. What do you initially hear when you hear this 911 call? Because the more I've listened to it and heard other people pick it apart, I feel like my thoughts on what he's saying has changed. So let's play it. And then I'll let you guys know what I'm thinking. And then I'll get into what I've heard a lot of other people say that he's saying. It's weird, but you'll understand what I mean when you listen to it. So this is the 911 call made by Brandon Lawson at 12.54 a.m. on Friday, August the 9th. So get your pen and paper and let's listen to it and then we'll break it down. 9, 2013, 0, 50 and 38 seconds. 911 emergency. Yes, I'm in the middle of the field. The paper just threw some guys over. Right here going towards Javelin on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. I got to take it to the woods. Please hurry. 
Okay, now, run that by me. Why am I talking to him? Hi, so you ran into him. Ah, you ran into him, okay. That's the first guy. Do you need an ambulance? Yeah, no, I need the cops. Okay. Is anybody hurt? Hello? Hello? Now do you understand what I mean? This is so hard because you want to be able to understand what he's saying, but it's not completely clear. So let's get into kind of what I think, and then we'll get into what other people think. So I hear that he is saying, quote, yes, I'm in the middle of a field. Something just pushed or maybe pulled some guys over. He says, Right here going towards Abilene on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here. A guy's chasing me through the woods. Please hurry. The operator says, okay, now run that by me one more time, basically. And he says, and we're not talking to him. I accidentally ran into him. The operator says, ah, you ran into him. Okay. Then he goes on to say, that's the first guy. Kind of sounds like somebody else is talking in the background at this point. Is he saying that's the first guy, meaning the operator should be able to hear this person talking? I'm not sure, but we'll elaborate on that. She goes on to say, do you need an ambulance? Again, it sounds like somebody says, yeah, but Brandon ends up saying, no, I need the cops. And she says, okay, kind of pauses. And she says, is anybody hurt? And there's no response. There are three popping sounds. And then she says hello three times. And that is the end of the 911 call. So let's break it down a little more. So he definitely says, quote, yes, I'm in the middle of a field. What's unclear is the next word. He either says staper, state trooper, but it kind of cuts out as he's saying it. Or some have speculated that he's saying State Street, which would make sense a little because Highway 277, where his truck was found, turns into State Street as you get closer to Bront, Texas. Again, less than five, five miles up the road. 
I didn't want to think he was saying state trooper because that to me gets into the kind of conspiracy theory side of this case. But in this sentence, he's saying it would make more sense. Quote, a state trooper just pushed or pulled some guys over. Now, I have seen where staper is a slang term for an oil field worker. So it's possible that's what he's saying. He goes on to say, right here going towards Abilene on both sides. Some think he says going towards Abilene on Bront side. Abilene is the bigger city that Brandon would have passed through had he continued on his route. Locals say that would be a common thing to say, right here going towards Abilene on the Bront side. I personally think he just says going towards Abilene on both sides. However, I don't know what he could really mean by that. I can't even really elaborate. I I don't know what he could mean by both sides. But next, he clearly says, my truck ran out of gas. We know that. That's pretty obvious. Then he says, there's one car here. A guy's chasing me through the woods. Please hurry. Now, he's clearly out of breath at this point. So once again, what he's saying kind of cuts out just a little bit right there as he takes a deep breath in. The operator then tries to get him to repeat himself, and he starts to say something as she's still talking. But all I hear is, and we're not talking to him. And then I accidentally ran into him. Now, because at this point, I believe, and many others believe, that there's somebody else talking in the background. As the operator finishes talking, When I listened to the call the first couple of times, I didn't really notice anyone else talking, but as I've listened to it more and more, it does sound like somebody else is there besides Brandon. And what Brandon says next on the call is up for debate as well. Because he either says, that's the first guy, or some have said he's saying, they shot the first guy. And it's when the operator is talking that you do hear what sounds like a loud noise off in the distance, which could have been a gunshot. The operator asks if he needs an ambulance, and it sounds like Brandon or someone says, yeah, at first, kind of like off in the distance, or maybe Brandon pulls his mouth away from the phone. But then Brandon says, no, I need the cops. When that voice says, yeah, it sounds like it's in response to something because his response to the operator was very clear. No, I need the cops. And that yeah response is more like somebody talking and having another conversation. And lastly, the operator asks, is anybody hurt? And Brandon is not heard on the 911 call again. There are three popping sounds that can be heard before the operator says hello three times. At first, I thought, that's definitely a gunshot, but a lot of people in the area have said that is the sound that cars going over a bridge makes in that area. If you remember, his truck was left near the Colorado River. There's three ridges on the bridge that crosses over the Colorado River. That could explain the popping sound that you hear on the call, or it could be gunshots. We'll probably never know. So not only is there frustration surrounding this 911 call because it's hard to understand what Brandon's saying, but what's frustrating is the 911 dispatcher did not ask for the caller's name or location. I mean, aren't they always supposed to ask, 
what's your name and address of your emergency (laughs) or something along those lines. It wasn't until three days later when Ladessa was checking Brandon's phone records that she saw this outgoing 911 call that attention was brought to this key piece of evidence. Now, I will say that this area was so small that the 911 call actually went to a local nursing home in Robert Lee. Somebody was there answering 911 calls as needed. Like, they used the nursing home as the 911 dispatcher place. (laughs) I'm sure they had some sort of training. I would hope so anyways. But it definitely wasn't somebody who was trained and taken hundreds of 911 calls prior and, and were super knowledgeable about what to do in an emergency situation like this. So Brandon makes the infamous 911 call at 1254. Then a truck driver calls the police at 1258 a.m. reporting a truck parked on the side of the shoulder, partially blocking the road, posing a hazard. As Brandon's brother Kyle and his wife Audrey are en route to Brandon's truck, Kyle said his brother called multiple times saying a few words, then hanging up and not really making much sense. At 1.10 a.m., Kyle and Audrey pull up to Brandon's truck with the gas can. At that same time, Chief Deputy Brandon Neal pulled up responding to that call from the trucker saying a truck was parked blocking the road. Brandon was nowhere to be found when Kyle and Officer Neal pulled up. During an interview with the Crawl Space podcast, Kyle said that Brandon called him right as he was pulling up. Kyle said that Brandon asked where he was and Kyle told him that he was pulling up. Like I said, a police officer shows up right after Kyle does and Kyle said where are you and he says I'm right here I can see you then once he saw the officer pulling up Kyle said that his brother said quote one time run and Kyle takes that as Brandon was telling him to run from the cops and Kyle said I'm not running from the cops I've done nothing wrong and Brandon said where is your pride mfr and hung up now something to note here Brandon Lawson had an outstanding felony warrant for supposedly delivering drugs. So Kyle just knew his brother was hiding from the cops because of his warrant. However, Kyle was unaware that Brandon had called 911 asking for the cops because he was in danger. Because at this point, Brandon's 911 call had already taken place. And he didn't happen to mention that to his brother. He didn't make it seem like he was in any sort of danger, except for mentioning the Mexicans like chasing him earlier. But he had really seemed to be fine the last couple times that he called. At 1.18 a.m., Audrey gets a call from Brandon where he mentions that he's bleeding. Kyle took that as he fell and maybe scraped his leg or something along those lines. At 1.19 a.m., Brandon gets a text to his phone from Audrey saying there was an officer at his truck. Kyle had told Officer Neal that his brother ran out of gas and he must have been walking down the road. So he asked the officer if he could just keep driving down the road and keep looking for him. The reality was Kyle was just trying to get away from the officer far enough to convince his brother to stop running or hiding from the police, which is what he thought he was doing. What is under controversy is that Officer Neal supposedly told Kyle that there was no need to look that way because I just came from that way. Not exactly sure what direction he was referring to, but 
some have found it a little suspicious that he would tell him not to look in a certain area. It also fuels the speculation that Brandon was, in fact, referring to a state trooper when he called 911, and maybe that's why he was telling Kyle to run. Now, supposedly, after Kyle explained that he would drive down the road to look for his brother, the officer told Kyle that the truck was partially in the road and needed to be moved ASAP. So, the officer turned the flashers on in Brandon's truck, which the truck was unlocked and his keys were not inside. However, the officer told Kyle that he would send for a tow truck at 8 a.m. if the truck was still there. After that, the officer claimed that he drove up and down the road for a while looking for Brandon with no luck. During an interview with the Crawl Space podcast, Kyle states that his son was in the car with him and his wife at the time, so he ends up taking his son to get some food and goes to drop off him and his wife off at their house. He said he called his friend Chris to come help him look for Brandon. So Chris and Kyle head back to Brandon's truck and they see that the officer is gone. So they drive down the road looking for Brandon and calling out his name. Kyle called Ledessa's phone multiple times with no answer. He also tried calling his brother and was unable to reach him. At around 3 a.m., Brandon's phone stopped ringing, either due to his phone dying or because it was turned off. We'll probably never know. At around 4.30 a.m., Ledessa gets her phone out of the car where it was charging and saw she had several missed calls from both Kyle and Brandon. She tried calling Brandon first, but the call went straight to voicemail. That's when she called Kyle and found out what all had happened that night. Kyle said that he left the gas can in Brandon's truck just in case Brandon got back to his truck and nobody was there. Kyle said that he had planned on going back to fill up the gas can when his paycheck cleared at 7 a.m. During their conversation, Kyle told Ledessa about Brandon calling and saying that he was bleeding. And this was obviously alarming to her, so she hangs up and calls the police to see if they've seen or heard from Brandon, and they tell her they have not. Kyle said the police department had Brandon's truck towed at 9 a.m. that morning, like they said they would, and that was the end of it. Multiple searches of the surrounding area have since been conducted, including a helicopter search conducted after Ledessa hired a private investigator to look into the case. The Coke County Sheriff's Office, in conjunction with DPS and the Texas Rangers, conducted an aerial search and a ground grid search. Coke County Sheriff Wayne McCutcheon approved a search using cadaver or human remain dogs. That search took place on October 24th, 2013. And during those searches and to this day, there have been no activity on Brandon's phone or bank accounts since 3 a.m. on August 9th. His keys, cell phone, wallet, and Brandon himself have never been located. So let's get into the theories and some of the issues with the case, and then I'll give you kind of my final thoughts on everything. So some of the issues with the investigation is that we know Brandon was recently back on drugs because his brother Kyle said that Brandon called him sometime on or shortly before August 7th asking where he could get some meth. Kyle reluctantly put him in touch with someone and then Brandon goes MIA for a day, comes home, and Ledessa gets pissed because she believes he was high on drugs and kicks him out. Plus, he has a warrant for distribution or for delivering drugs. 
So that's the first big issue with the case is that because of his drug use, his actions and the situation he was in was erratic and just kind of all over the place. He didn't need to be leaving his house at midnight and clearly wasn't in the right state of mind to be driving. Even if he was super high, he was in a fight with his longtime girlfriend and I'm sure his blood was boiling from that and his adrenaline was probably high. The second issue is the route he took at the time it took him to get to where his truck runs out of gas. So Brandon calls Kyle to tell him he's about to run out of gas or that he has run out of gas and needs some help. Well, he makes this call at 12.41 a.m. We know that he left his house at 11.55 p.m. There's some reports that say it was 11.53 or something like that. But either way, it was just before midnight. That's at least 40 to 45 minutes after he leaves his house that he runs out of gas. Where his truck was found was not 45 minutes away from his home. It should have maybe taken him 20 minutes max, 25 maybe, to get to that point if he went straight there. This missing time isn't really under much speculation from what I've read, but I've seen one or two articles mention it briefly. So you can look up the route yourself and see that it takes over 30 minutes to get to Bront from San Angelo, and he was another 5 to 10 minutes away from Bront when his truck stopped. The time frame just doesn't add up, obviously. Maybe he stopped somewhere or drove around for 10 minutes trying to calm down or cool off before deciding to continue his drive to his parents' house. The next issue is that there's absolutely nothing in the surrounding area and nothing in Bront. One local said Bront is like three neighborhoods and a juvenile correctional facility. She said they don't even have an actual grocery store. Another local to the area said they travel that road often and it's not super busy. It's busier during the day with people just passing through, but that there would be very little, if any, traffic at 1 a.m. So who would be these guys chasing him? Why would there be so much activity on this isolated stretch of road? Now let's dive into a couple of the theories as to what happened. Theory one, and what I consider the most popular theory, would be the state trooper conspiracy. The theory goes that Brandon's truck runs out of gas. He encounters a situation he wasn't supposed to see. Something involving a person resembling a state trooper pulling over a vehicle with at least two guys inside. From there, some sort of altercation ensued with the guys chasing the state trooper into the woods where the state trooper shoots the first guy, quote-unquote. After that, he shoots the second guy. Now, Brandon probably started running after the state trooper shoots the first guy. Maybe he's even running alongside or close to the second guy. So, Brandon calls 911, running away and out of breath. Then the theory is the state trooper gets back to his car, pulls up to Brandon's truck the same time Kyle does, and... Brandon hides out in the field, but can see that same police officer pull up and start talking to his brother, which is why Brandon tells his brother to run. But Brandon doesn't want to tell him the whole situation because he doesn't want his brother to freak out and get shot as well, which is a very interesting theory. I think it's a little far-fetched, but certainly possible. <laughs> 
Those that believe the state trooper conspiracy believe the 911 tape was edited and vital information was edited out before being released to the public because it took, I believe, about three months for the police to release the 911 call. As I mentioned, the True Crime Garage podcast broke down the 911 call and the captain, who is kind of a master with audio and sound, picks apart this 911 audio and he says there is no sign of the tape being edited. However, he says if it was edited, then whoever did this could have been a master editor and was able to make it such a clean cut that nobody could tell. And fueling or further fueling the conspiracy theory is the fact that the local Coke County newspaper was owned by none other than Sheriff Wayne McCutcheon's wife, Melinda McCutcheon. Sheriff McCutcheon was in charge of the investigation in Brandon's case, which is obviously a conflict of interest, largely because she ends up reporting on Brandon Lawson's investigation. On the missingbrandonlawson.com official website, they break apart Melinda McCutcheon's article. You can find that under the misleading tab, if that tells you anything. The headline stated, quote, Law enforcement concludes man not in Coke County. The family was rightfully upset by that statement because there is no way to conclude that Brandon Lawson is not in Coke County because his body's never been found. Regardless of the detailed searches that were conducted, I mean, I've read the article. I'll leave it in the sh- I'll leave a link to it in the show notes, but it really seems like she's trying to prove how qualified the people are who conducted the searches and they did everything they could to find him and blah 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 but the reality is at the time she put the article out that wasn't the case you can't say that you've looked everywhere and he's just not there because they haven't looked everywhere and it's not possible another interesting theory is the fact that Brandon told his brother that some quote Mexicans were after him As I mentioned, he told Kyle that Ledessa had these Mexicans chasing him out of town and then these were the guys that were possibly chasing him during the 911 call. Earlier in the night, before Brandon and Ledessa get into a fight at their home and he leaves, Brandon called Kyle talking about the same people that Ledessa had hired to chase him out of town. And Kyle tried to tell him that she wouldn't do that. That's not the case. And in that interview with Crawl Space, Kyle told them that when he mentioned this, he kept telling him that, you know, you're tripping, calm down, nobody's chasing you, etc. But at the same time, he said that even if his brother was high on drugs, he never hallucinated like that. So although it sounds like he didn't believe Brandon was being chased, he also didn't really believe he was hallucinating either. Like maybe he really did believe somebody was after him, but it just wasn't true. Ledessa later confirmed that she had no idea what Brandon was talking about or what he could have been talking about at the time. So it's hard to say for sure if anybody really believes this theory or not. Maybe it's just people on Reddit and forums like that. So I just have to say there were obviously speculation surrounding statements made by Kyle and whether or not what all he was saying Brandon did or said was true. Kyle has been out in the media a lot, and he really does sound genuine. I don't have any reason to believe that he's making any of it up. I really 
believe he had no idea his brother called 911 for help before he talked to him. So I don't think he took the situation very seriously, maybe in the moment, until his brother didn't show up the next day. And especially becoming concerned when he found out about the 911 call. Police did ask Kyle to take polygraph tests on two separate occasions, and he passed both of them. In 2019, Sheriff McCutcheon told the Concho Valley homepage that there have been some leads over the years, but they haven't had a really good lead in well over a year. So what do you think happened to Brandon Lawson? I'm torn. I don't know what to think, really. Initially, when I first heard this case on a podcast many years ago, I thought that Brandon was being chased down. He called 911 for help. He was possibly killed by this person or persons chasing him, and his body was hidden to where it could never be found. However, now that I've done this case and I've covered it and I've dove into it, I'm not sure that I believe that anymore. I think that he might have been high on methamphetamines and felt like he was being chased, but actually wasn't. However, that doesn't answer any of our questions. Where is Brandon Lawson and what happened? The area was searched and searched. How is he not found by police? How is he not tracked down by cadaver dogs? It just doesn't make sense to me. Drugs or not, this man needed help. And due to a mistake made by a 911 operator and, frankly, the local police, he didn't get the help he needed, and now he's been missing for almost 10 years. If you know anything about what could have happened to Brandon, or if you witnessed anything in the area that night, please call the Coke County Sheriff's Department at 325 453 2717. Well, guys, that is the end of the first episode back. As always, I am dying to know your thoughts. So head over to the podcast Instagram page, leave a comment on today's episode post, or send me a DM telling me your thoughts, telling me maybe what you wrote down, what you thought Brandon was saying during that 911 call. Just let me know. I'm always interested to hear. And thank you to everybody who reached out while I was on um, my extended break. Um, I got a few like kind of sarcastically mean comments about where are you? Come back. Um, So, but thank you for reaching out. That means a lot that you guys missed me. I am back. I'm excited to be here. So I will be back in two weeks, Lord willing. Until then, stay safe and talk to you guys soon. Bye.